Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. Hi, we invite you to join our weekly conversations about finding more life in one's life. Well, what does it actually mean? We have discussions with guests about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Into Your Life podcast. Today we have another wonderful guest. Today we have Ruth calling in all the way from Australia. So we are truly global international calling in across multiple time zones. And I'm really excited for this conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. We will see. Because Ruth has lived such a interesting, full, adventurous life that I'm so curious just to learn more about her journey and learn more from her. And to give a bit of a perspective of what you may expect and what we may get into, Ruth creates spaces for healing, transformation and regeneration of soil, soul and society. And I just love the sound of that. And she does it through the power of individual coaching, through the magic of circle work, and the joy and challenge of living and supporting communities, which communities are a huge deal for me, and I love the sound of all of that. But always the best way to meet someone new is to say hello and say, hi, Ruth, tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, bring a bit more context into what I just said and see where this goes. Hi, Lenka. Hi, Natalie. And hello to all your lovely listeners around the world. Um, well, to begin with, um, my full name is Leonie Ruth. Um, Leonie comes from Lion, which means strong, and Ruth means compassion. And I like to think that during my life I have grown into that name. I'll start with place. I live on land. Um, the original owners of the land and custodians are the Ngamri people. And I pay my respects to those uh, people, the elders past, present and emerging. And that's very much and very important to who I am as a person and both socially and spiritually. So I live on Ngamri land. I live in a two acres of small holding called Tanglewood. And Tanglewood has been both the literal expression of my life in the last 20 years and um, the, the the literal and metaphoric journey that I have taken here. Um, just a little bit more of an overview of myself. I don't like labels because they can be very um, limiting, but also um, they can be illuminating. So a, a few illuminating labels about me. Um, I'm a creative. I do a lot of landscape gardening and have done a lot of that on um, Tanglewood. I play violin and viola. I'm very intuitive. I've had multiple careers, but when I look back, all of the things I have done have always been about encouraging, motivating, teaching and journeying with people to help them flourish, whether that was in an educational setting, a corporate setting, or in, in the coaching that I've done for about 17 years now. Um, I'm leaning towards calling what I do now mentoring um, because 
I feel that the, the space I'm moving from is one that was more structured into a less structured space of mentoring, which is more like journeying with somebody. And that's perhaps one of the exciting things for me for 2024 to explore how that's going to un, um, unravel and um, present itself. There's so much already to pick up on. And I would want to start at the beginning where you explained a little bit about the place, because not everyone, including myself, may not know enough about Australia, Australian history, your landscape there, your earth, your ancestors. So could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, the magic of the land, the magic of the ancestry, the magic of the things that you come from and that you cherish so much? Well, Australia is the oldest continent on earth. Um, the landscape is the oldest landscape, which means it's been around for longer than any of, the other, any of the others, which is why we don't have major mountain ranges. They've been weathered down over literally millions and millions of years. Um, the people of Australia are the Indigenous Aboriginal people who have been here for 60,000 years or longer. And when the first contact with white settlers happened in various places on the coast, um, different people, the, the Dutch, the Portuguese, the French, and then the English had contact. And when the English came, they declared the land to be terra nullis, which means unoccupied. And that is really the beginning of the very bad story, which um, we actually have Australia Day coming up in a couple of days' time on the 26th, which for many of us is known as Invasion Day. And for many Australians, it's celebrated as our national day. But I personally feel that with the injustices that happened back then and continue to happen, and this is perhaps more important to even what has happened in the past, the injustices that have happened that we need to recognise both legally, morally, but even more important to me is spiritually. You cannot have peace in a land which has been... Uh, misappropriated and the, the true spiritual owners and inhabitants of the land are not being honoured. So that's why at the beginning uh, I did that what is known as an acknowledgement of country. It's probably not usual to be done in a private setting like this, but I feel that we had a an opportunity for in a referendum quite recently to actually give a voice to Indigenous people as an advisory group to Parliament. And unfortunately, that referendum didn't get through and it has very much damaged the relationship between Indigenous Australians and the rest of Australia. And I feel because of that, that my personal journey is one of um, trying to understand more the pain of my fellow journeyers here in this land and to, in my own small way, make and take steps which honour their position and honour what they hope to achieve um, for themselves and in doing so help to take steps towards reparation and restoration of wholeness for them and our whole country. And I think this really adds a nice layer of background and context and understanding to but I said at the beginning that you really are focusing on working within healing and transformation, regeneration, all like soil and soul and society. So could you explain a bit more about what that, that means in your eyes and in your experience? What do you do a bit more on a practical level? And, you know, we 
can see the connection to the land and to the history, but how it reflects now in the reality, in the present, and what is yep. the vision then for the future? I can indeed, and I'll be very happy to do so. We came onto our piece of land, which we call Tanglewood. Um, my husband was here first over 20 years ago, and it was remnant farmland, which was very, not, not at all fertile. It was pretty clapped out. And he built a small cottage here with his own hands. And then I came into his life. And, of course, things changed for the better then. <laughs> and we had a vision together of building a garden. And uh, we had no idea where this vision was going to take us, absolutely no idea. So we had conversations to the effect of, well, we needed to have wind breaks because it's very windy here. We have wind towers within our vision. Um and so we needed to plant things so that we began to create our own um, ecosystem of protection for, for all life here. And then I said to my husband, I said, well, you know, if we're going to plant trees, we may as well plant things that are edible. So we chose mulberry trees and fig trees and all sorts of other stone fruit and, and started planting them. And the years rolled by and we grew our own vegetables and we always focused on um, literally healing the soil. You can't grow anything that on land that has been that ha is not fertile without addressing the soil. So that's the first thing, and that is symbolic of who I am, the work I do, because tending the so literal soil of Tanglewood and tending the soil of my soul, and then in doing the work I do in in journeying with people who want to do that is what I'm all about. So we used compost and animal manure and. Um, breaking down vegetative matter and all that sort of thing to enrich the soil so things would grow. It was established during a 20-year drought, which meant we had to be really thoughtful and careful about how we planted, um, mulching around trees, conserving water, choosing varieties of trees that could withstand the really quite severe climate here. We have very hot summers, sometimes up to 45 degrees um, in on a bad day with 70k winds, very high bushfire danger. And in winters, we can get down to about minus four frost, sometimes minus 10. Um, so those extremes mean for planting, you have to be really wise. We always had organic principles in what we did and an understanding that one it, it, one is co-creating a space with the land. One is we don't heal the land. We work with the land to allow it to heal itself and give it give the soil what it needs to bring itself back to life. And, and that also is exactly how I do my work um, as a mentor. Um, we came into contact with, with some beautiful people who were doing a woofing, which is um, Workers on Organic Farms exchange from France, and they lived with us for a while. And we learned a lot more about permaculture principles, which we'd read books about and, and knew about, but hadn't, hadn't in a systematic way applied to our own property. So that was a level of enhancement and enrichment. And then they went back to France and we continued to implement the things that we had learned from them. And as we were doing that, in tandem with all of that, we were creating a space which meant that we have nature on our doorstep. And I know you've done a beautiful interview with the lovely lady that runs Paws in Cambridge. And as she was speaking, I'm thinking, oh, this is what I do, but I'm not, not, in a, not in a business sense. This is what I do in my life. I was so excited. 
So we've created a space of beauty. And when I said I'm a landscape gardener, I'm a person that loves beauty in my music, in my food, in the way I present myself. And I don't mean that in a superficial way, but colour and form are really important for me. And our French friends, when they were walking around our garden, said to me, oh, you like beauty a lot, don't you? Because a lot of permaculture people are, are quite pragmatic, but there's this part of me that, yes, to nourish, we have to nourish our souls, which is through all of our senses, including our bodies. So that's what we've done. And as I was saying, in tandem with that, there was the building of community. So as the soil restored, as particularly me as an individual and my husband and our relationship grew and blossomed, people came and visited and would come for a day or for a meal or stay for a weekend. This is friends in an informal capacity. And they'd say, oh, we always feel so much better after we've been to Tanglewood. And I didn't take too much notice of that per se until I learned that we had a seam of quartz through our land here. And in some paradigms, quartz is known to be a transmitter of energy. So if you have positive energy, it amplifies that. And if you have negative energy, it amplifies that. And I'm like, oh, well, that's really nice to know. Maybe we have a lot of positive energy going in here. That's a lovely thing. Um, and indeed, I think that is the case. And that's why it, it is a healing place for ourselves and for others. And the the journey of community re really kick-started when we engaged a local man uh, who is a wonderful horticulturist to come once a fortnight and give us more expertise more expertise input into the gardening and he turned up on the first day and he was only coming for, for three or four hours in the morning he turned up with a cake which he'd made and he said oh this is for when we have morning tea and I was like that's really nice I like that and so each fortnight he'd turn up with his cake and I'd make scones or whatever sometimes it was produce from the garden like for example bear, fresh berries and cream and we had a lovely morning tea and, and a time of I guess you'd, you'd use the word fellowship, just human beings hanging out together and chatting and, and getting to know each other. And so began a tradition which we have kept on and ha has really become the hallmark of Tanglewood, and that is that we don't do things in a transactional way. We do things in a way that has an extra dimension to it. So when we put a call out for help on our land, which we frequently do, um, people will say, well, how much do you pay per hour, whatever it is. I said, look, happy to talk about that, but why don't you come and visit us and see what we do here? The people who turn up and have that conversation are the people who usually stay. A lot of people don't bother because they, all they want to know is, oh, you pay $25 or $35 or whatever the going rate is per hour, and that's what we're interested in. And we're really happy to pay, and we, we pay in money or in organic produce or whatever people are happy with, but we do so much more than that, which is why I say it's not just transactional. It's an enriching experience for everyone. And the example I give is a young chap called Josh, who was in between graduating from university and finding a permanent job. He came out every Thursday and he'd have brekkie with us at um, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. He'd then go out with my husband, who at that time had designed and was building a tool shed in the shape of an old little miner's cottage from all the what my husband calls resource pile whatnots on the property. So wood, windows, bolts, you name it. And he designed the um, tool shed to actually use the lengths and materials of stuff, stuff he had. So the planks, the everything. And this chap came week by week um, and he'd have lunch and then at about three o'clock he'd go home with a great big box of organic veggies because that's all the family wanted and he was delighted because he was getting skills and working alongside my husband who was quite knowledgeable in these things. We were delighted because we were getting the help. 
So that gives you a bit of an idea to the way some of the interactions have happened, which have been really rich and fulfilling. And Josh and now his fiancée, we've kept in touch. I, I really love how you have described this tanglewood and the soil and growing the soil and building a community and and everything that you've just described. It's It's something that... I'm very much noticing more and more, and we've actually had a, a, a we've just uh, released a, an episode on on a, a young guy in in Brazil who's doing the same thing as building a community and the permaculture, and it's it's definitely something that I think we need more of. We've become such a disassociated society to have the these communities and. My my local homeopath who I go to here in the UK, she has land that she's doing something similar to what you're doing. It, it is about having that space for if people need something and doing a transaction that's not necessarily a financial transaction. It might be something that you offer to give your time in to receive something else, but not necessarily money. And I love how you are creating the, this this space, this this reconnecting to the land, because essentially we are part of nature. And I, I know that generally we we separate ourselves from nature. You know, even physically. You know, with tarred roads and houses that are you know. 10 feet of concrete and I exaggerate there but but that's how it feels sometimes and to really have that that connection back into into the land and you were talking about how you've had to re-fertilize the land that you on and I grew up on um in my late teenage years I grew up on a farm in in South Africa and that was very much around the biodynamic idea, but that farm needed to be refertilized because it had just been farmed of all its nutrients and everything else. And you, you, you took me back there to remind me that we couldn't do anything on the land for a good few years because we just needed it to, to rest and, and recover. But going into now older and going down a more spiritual path that I'm doing in myself is I'm wanting to connect more with the land. And I'm thinking back to um, sort of the pagans here in the UK, the way they used to live very much. It was part of the land and how much food we miss out on be, that's growing wild. We don't know what we can and can't eat. So when you were sharing how you've, the permaculture that you're doing and growing edible food like the mulberry trees instead of just a big fat oak tree or something. I can't think of any other names, but just a, a tree that we don't necessarily eat the food from. I, I love how you're bringing that in and how you, you're giving that space for somebody to reconnect to, to the land and building this community of people can just come for a, for a cuppa and a, you know, maybe help weed a garden for a box of tomatoes or something. I love that because it's it's almost going back to who we are. If you look back in history, is we've done this bartering, we've done this I'll help you if you'll help me type of thing. And it's not always the financial 
reward or the financial transaction, but much more of a different trans transaction. So you've you've spoken about land, you've spoken about the soil, but can you touch a little bit in the spiritual that you that you do? Because you mentioned the quartz, and um, yeah, quartz is or crystals, any crystals have are so powerful and so strong and and so helpful. Is can you explain a little bit on your spiritual journey and and how you bringing that into your what was it soil soil society and and spiritual thing? Well, I might have got. Soil, so, yeah, soil, soil and society, yeah. Soil, soil and society. I got the words wrong. So can we talk yeah. a little bit about, about soil and, and the spiritual journey and how that's being connected into what it is that you're doing? Thank you for that question. It's very much been um, a spiritual journey for me, one of healing, but also one of, I would say, awakening. I have had the opportunity through connecting to nature. Nature is a great teacher. And if you th re when we realise that there is the interconnectedness of everything and I believe an interdependence of everything, which is totally antithetical to what we're taught in capitalism um, about being uh, separate and, and above nature and um, we need to be dependent and units of productivity, the total opposite of that, I believe, is true, and it's certainly what I've experienced here. So I have my my spiritual journey has always been in tandem with a physical journey, and by that I mean there have been physical things that I have done to myself that have been an integral part. We cannot separate out the parts. We are an entity, and so and we do, yet we don't have particularly in in, um, in the English language we don't have the words to express that particularly well. But for example, my journey in being becoming far more attuned to nature, being aware of nature, being intuitively able to read what is happening in the wind, in the landscape, with the birds, listening to the birds and knowing what their calls are about. We have a pair of black-shouldered kites that visit every summer and earlier on in the spring or every every year, they come early spring and about late spring, the pair of them were in the paddock when we were walking in the evening. And I said to David, I said, there's something really wrong. Their cry was not the normal cry. And in fact, in talking to a friend who is a, a, a much more a, a, an expert in birds than me, she said, that was a cry of distress. I said, yes, that's what I felt. I said, she said, it was probably a young one that was lost and they couldn't find. Sometimes they get blown out of trees, whatever. And my friend said, did you go and look? I said, no. I said, it was shoulder high grass in the paddock I said we've got snakes there's no way I could go and look there if they couldn't find their young flying from a distance and calling I didn't have a hope but that that was for me um just I intuitively knew I said there's something wrong there's something really really wrong so that's been part of my experience um in the just con continuing on the walking uh about eight years ago I learned the the virtues if as it were of barefoot walking and being barefoot for a variety of reasons. There's a wonderful woman in the States called Katie Bowman, who's written a fantastic book called Move Your DNA, another one called Grow Wild. And she talks a lot about the biomechanical bio benefits of walking bare feet. And that's why I started. I listened to it and I thought, oh my gosh, why on earth would I wear shoes? And I'm in a place where I can go barefoot. So I have done. 
and my the soles of my feet are very 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 um, thick and strong now so I can go over all sorts of um, textures and yesterday I went for a walk in the village with a friend and we went up up onto a, a hill and she said oh can we go with your bare feet I said sure I said if I don't practice on rough surfaces I'll never be able to manage will I so I said if I'll, I'll yelp if I need help um, but that walking then made made me realize as I was doing that it was healing something else and that's when I began to investigate the connection that we have to the earth and the whole process of earthing and for me I follow a lot of Ayurvedic practices and um, in Ayurveda um, my Ayurvedic profile is a vata kapha with a sattvic pitta mind which basically means that the vata part of me is is imaginative flighty high energy the kapha part of me is a very nourishing and earthy and um, the sattvic pitta mind is the, the fiery intellect and to keep those all in balance I need to bathe myself in nature I need to connect to nature again and again and again and I do that through meditation practices which I've been learning and practicing over about 15 years now so for example I did a meditation before this interview to calm my mind and just to make sure that I was bringing the energy that I wanted to bring it to it and that my mind was clear and peaceful and and ready to um, do the best by you and your listeners um so along with those other um, Ayurvedic practices there's been exploration of other alternate ways of being of healing of seeing the world and I've enjoyed dipping into different paradigms and what I have discovered is that if you come across a truth you will come across that truth in all sorts of guises there will be elements of scientific explanation for it there'll be elements popping up in traditional Chinese medicine, that the language they use might not be the same. Um, there will be something that you'll discover, for example, the um, African saying of, of Ubuntu, uh, I am because of who we are. Um, I'm like, oh, that's all about interconnectedness. Yes, of course. Um, so that's been part of my journey, not down one particular track, but being delighted when I meet the um the bits of inspiration and and that the nourishment really that that have helped me on my way so the way i now show up in the world um, and i think it was new natalie that very wisely said we're souls in in a in doing a, a journey in a body in one of your interviews and i thought oh that's really really wise yeah i really really like that so i feel that that's what i have i've moved from being very much someone who is very conscious of my image um, through lack of self-confidence and a father who objectified women and told me how I had to look and with a love of, of dress and clothing anyway, that that was something that was really important to me, whereas now it isn't at all. And sometimes I look at the way I'm dressed and I'm thinking, gosh, is this really, this is really me. I'm just so comfortable in who I am in my leggings and my T-shirt and I wear the clothes I wear because I can move my body. I can go out. In fact, I went at about an hour and before the um, interview, I took my dog and it was getting to be cooler in the afternoon here on a summer's evening. And my dog and I just went for a little barefoot run around the paddock just so to get the energy flowing in me. And then I did my meditation. You can't do that if you're wearing something that is is restricting you. And I love the idea of any moment in the, the, the day thinking, I just need to do a few yoga stretches or I just want to go out and tackle some thistles and some blackberries. And you don't need to change clothes to do that. And that's one of the things that I think is uh, 
revealing about the current society we have that there's the concept that you have a set of clothes that you wear when you go to the gym you have in Australia very much a set of clothes that you wear if you cycle I know in Europe it's not that way I have a son who lives in Amsterdam and I love going there and seeing people just in their suits and whatever they're wearing cycling I thought, that's what it's about it's not about putting on this fancy sort of you know lycra gear um, although in, in the defensive, I, I used to cycle to work all the time when I lived in a place that I could. Uh, in our climate, we can get very hot and sweaty very easily and turn up perhaps in, not in the best state to go into an office. But but basically the principle is um, I think if you can do your movement as occasional movement, as movement which is part of your life and living, then that means that we move more parts of our body more often rather than think, oh, I'll just tick that off, I'll go to the gym or I'll go for my run or I'll do my cycle and that's my exercise and my movement. So all of these understandings have become part of who I am and when I begin to, if I feel unwell or agitated, uh, I do manage um, anxiety, I, I stop and I do a bit of an audit and I think, hang on, which parts of me haven't I been attending to? Oh, I have done my meditation for a couple of days. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? It's been raining. I haven't been. Okay, let's get the wellies on and go out and move in the rain. Um, and just learning that the, the the integration of the whole person is something that our society doesn't encourage us in any way, shape or form to understand nor express. And yet it's the most important thing to learn. So I'll just finish that little answer by saying that I found myself to be outgrowing the status quo to be quite unconventional and nonconformist, but not because I'm pushing against what's there, but because that's where my journey has drawn me. And I've sat back and looked and thought, oh my gosh, here I am. <laughs> this is me. And um, I don't know where it's going to take me next, but we'll have to see. Uh, I, I love that. I love how you, you describe that. And it's it's essentially you being true to you, you being who you are, which is something that that I I really do love, and it is about um, you know finding more life in one's life, and you don't have to be you know part of the status quo or conform to things. That your words, which I really love, to to have more life in your life, it's about finding that connection and something I'm I'm noticing more and more and especially in myself this need to to be in nature this almost reconnecting to our past to as as humans on on who we are I mean if we go back we can look at the Native Americans the Aborigines the the Africans in Africa India the pagans the you know from Europe and all that we were very much part of the land, very nomadic, very connected. It was, you know, there was this connection between, it is very early in the morning for me, so it was soul society. No, no, hang on. Soil, soul, soil and society. There soil, soul and society, yeah. <laughs> I'll get it right at some time. But it is that that connecting to, to the earth, that connecting to to spiritual, connecting to body, having that that massive amount of connection and i love how you are have found that have brought that in but i do want to just go a little bit beyond back a bit further than the 20 years because i'm always fascinated on how people have 
got to to where they are. And I know you landed up on Tanglewood, I think you said about 20 years ago. Your husband landed up there about 20 years ago. How what brought you there before that? How did you sort of get there? Because life didn't start 20 years ago. I'm sorry, I don't mean to give your age away, but <laughs> uh, you know, my, I'm very, very proud to tell you that I'm turning 68 next month and um, at maybe some other time or today we could even talk about the importance of age and how it, it isn't a stigma. Uh, all of my life journey um, has taken me out of my comfort zone and I've, I volunt voluntarily did that. At, at age 17, I arranged myself to to go as an exchange student to Japan. I sort of had conversations on the side of the hockey field with the local Lions Club representative and one thing and the next and I came back and my parents said, oh, um, if you can find the money, then we, can I go? And then they're like, oh, my gosh, what have you done? So that sort of began my journey really of, of um, reaching for different places and spaces. I've always had a fascination for other cultures and a love of languages. So I moved to Japan as an exchange student and learned Japanese. I came back to university and studied that. I um, met my um, ex-husband and got married and he was an anthropologist and he was doing research in Indonesia in a slum and I learned Indonesian and lived in that slum. I came back to Australia and I taught Indonesian and Japanese. So I was a language teacher um, and my life went along. I had two boys and beautiful boys. We often had um, other children come and live with us because of a variety of circumstances. Um, so there was always been this sense of inclusiveness and not, not just doing what regular families did, but opening our hearts and our home to people that needed refuge for a short time or whatever the circumstance was. And then at the end of a very long period of time, I realised I was very unhappy and I wasn't satisfied and I was withering up inside. And cut a long story short, my marriage of 24 years ended. And that was both an extremely painful, very, very difficult time, but also inordinately liberating and very important because I wanted my my children to understand that the relationship that I had been in was not one where I was flourishing and was not um, was not a healthy example of a relationship. So that's when I really discovered and dug very deeply into feminism and I'm um, a structural feminist and um, for 15 years my coaching was specifically on working with women. That's what my business was called and I worked with women helping them to, to flourish where they were but in that journey also I realised that a bigger picture was there and that is the picture of the patriarchy and colonialism and all the things that we know that have influenced us, including creating a legacy of a very toxic masculinity for men. So hand in hand with my feminist um, activism and advocacy, I have a great heart for um, encouraging men to be able to step out of that box that they've been trapped in for a very long time by society through familial, often usually um, unconscious uh, messaging about being tough and not expressing feelings and all sorts of things. Um, Australia is a fairly, almost as a very chauvinistic and with a, with a large dose of misogyny as a culture generally, 
and that's something that I find very ugly and very unfortunate. So um, I've been working in that space to help the people around me and support the people around me to be able to be and act differently in those spaces and to um, educate and influence uh, the way relationships work out. Um, so that probably brings you to, I'll again, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give the romantic bit about it. I'll tell you how I met my husband. Um, I mentioned that I'm a musician and in fact, we played in a band together and it was through sharing of a music stand. I was um, teaching at the time and full working full time. And I said, oh, look, I, I can get to the gig but I can't arrange my music. I, I can arrange my music, but if that's the case, I won't be able, able to get to the gig. So this very kind man said, oh, look, I'll arrange music and you can share the music stand with me. And that turned out many years later to, to be my husband. So that's a strong connection we have. And music has been, is an expression in my life, um, has taken me all around the world as well as many other things, and is something that we do at Tanglewood. We put put on, um, after David built the little cottage, we did an extension. I've got a large music room and we often have people around to play music, soirees, share music, and that's another part, part and aspect, I guess, of the healing. Music is very, very healing and just got, sort of going a little bit back on, you know, what I was saying about the travelling and, you know, being connected to land is there was music involved um, and, uh, you know, so music has been part of, I think, human culture or human nature or just us being who we are. Music has has played a, a, a big role in that and I do I do envy people who can play music. I'm I'm not that that good at playing music, but I love to listen to it and hear it. So earlier you mentioned about age and um something and yeah, age, especially as women, to to sort of give your age as like never ask a woman her age and and all that. And I'm finding as I'm getting older, I'm not caring so much about that and and you mentioned the clothes yeah I like to be comfortable in what I'm wearing it's not so much the the posh clothes and when you've got to go somewhere smart I'm like how comfortable can I get away with <laughs> before I have to be you know prim and proper especially here in the UK they do prim and proper very very well and um yeah it's just I love how you're bringing all this in and I'm thinking about you you mentioned the the very masculine and the energies and I was thinking yeah the Victorian times and I think a lot of British came to the to Australia during that time when England was doing what England does which is a lot of um just taking stuff but I digress a bit and it is about the music and that but can you talk a little bit about sort of sharing how age has become something that you've realised is, it's not that it's not important, but how it changes. I mean, especially as women, you get the maiden, you get the mother, then you get the, the crone or the wise woman. And these are very much part of um, the pagan journey or the spiritual journey. If you, if you look at any sort of ancient culture, the, the, 
older woman was revered was you know you go to the wise woman and get counsel and quite often it was a man and a woman it wasn't just men and it wasn't just women it was a partnership because obviously a woman has a different perspective than a man and I love how the elders you know go ask the elders get you know ask the wisdom of the elders um can you just bring that in a little bit or put your thoughts to it and I'm I'm, I'm rambling a little, a little bit here but I hope you get what I'm trying to ask I certainly do, and you've kick-started that beautifully. Thank you. When I talk about ageing, I talk about life because life is in a cycle. In our Western society, we demonise the word old, and yet from the time we are born, we ask a mother, oh, how old is your baby? Now, to say it's four months old, that's not a problem, but if you say you're 45 or 85 years old, that seems to be more problematic. So... There's incredible societal um, influences in an, a very negative way. But stepping aside from all of that, if you go back to what we were talking about, being a soul journeying in a body, then the soul is ageless. The body has some restrictions, but not nearly the number of restrictions that so many sectors of society, including our health system, uh, put upon us. The body does have parts which wear out, but is also very resilient and self-healing when given the time, the place and the rest. And my journey is one of listening to my body and responding to that. And I've had a very big uh, le learning in that area because um, a couple of years ago I actually had a stroke and... Um, <laughs> A week before the stroke, I, I had been, the context was I was looking um, full-time caring for my mum during COVID lockdown and she became ill and had to go into hospital. And I was talking to the doctor in the hospital and I found myself saying, I don't know whether I can do this anymore. I think it's killing me. And after I said the words, I'm like, that's a bit odd. Where did that come from? Because I'd never cognitized those sorts. It was as if the words tumbled up. Less than a week later, I woke up and the whole of the right side of my body was numb and I'd had a stroke. So that was a big wake-up call. I was like, oh, okay, well, your body gave you a warning, A, and B, what's going on? So the body-mind connection, the body-mind-soul connection is very much part of what I'm aware of and being in a body which is getting older but a mind which is so influential on everything. So our beliefs, if you believe you are, there's a saying, if you believe you can and or believe you can't, you're correct. So... <laughs> I think there is a limitation to that in that I don't believe you can believe you'll live forever and that will happen because that's not part of the, the cycle of life, which is why I put the whole thing of ageing within that context. So within that cycle, we have the cycle of the soul, we have the cycle of the body, and I think we also, if, if we're fortunate enough, we have, have the cycle of the mind where we can actually grow and understand more and not necessarily just learn more because unless you're synthesising analysing, reflecting, and then applying what you learn, you don't actually come to a place of being of wisdom or peace. And my journey, I realise that I, I'm doing those things. I'm learning constantly. So there's another saying, wear your beliefs lightly because you like a, a robe because you might need to change them quickly. And when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty wise, you know. Um, 
to the set of beliefs that I have today, the way I see the world, the way I'm interacting is part of who I'm showing up as today. And I hope I'm learning more today and tomorrow. I'll be showing up slightly differently and learning more and more. Um, just touching on the, the cycles of the woman and the, the, the maiden and the etc. and going to the mugger and the crone and the wise woman. I thought a lot about that and I think there is some truth in it, but I also think that they are constructs that have been put on by society and um, not necessarily what needs to be reflected, reflected in, in an individual's journey. I... <laughs> I don't want to be delusional and think that, um, you know, I have some eternal elixir of youth, but I know that the my attitude to learning, my attitude to life, my expression of myself in nature is not one of a person of what my age group would be expected to do because that's not where I am in my mind or in my soul um, or my journey. I the the one of the difficulties I think that we have with um, the the cycle of living process in our society is that we do have the mantra we have to be independent, and that is incorrect right from the moment we're born. Humans are one of the very few mammals that need as much care as we do. Um, we're not born into a pouch. We like like um, marsupials and monotremes, we're, we're born, we have to be cradled in our, our parents' arms. We can't, we're not like a young foal, we can't just drop and then learn within a few minutes how to walk. We take a good two, uh, 12 months to learn to do that. The, our communication takes a good two years and more to do that. So there's an incredible interdependence. And we're not in, only interdependent within our own species, but interdependent with the rest of of um the species and the whole the whole planet, the whole ecosystem that we're in. That reality of interdependence means that the cycle of living change, changes your view of the cycle of living quite dramatically. And I'll just come to the, the third stage of um, soil, soil and society is what we are doing in building community at Tanglewood now is we are just in the final stages of finishing a little cottage, which we started four years ago and is going to be for uh, we have a young couple who are going to move in specifically because we realize that the amount of physical work and labor that we have on the property is not something that we are going to be able to sustain decades from now let alone <laughs> it's physically we can't do what we used to do 20 years ago secondly we don't want to be in a little bubble of, of paradise isolated from the rest of the world. We want to be sharing what we've got at, at various levels. And in the cycle of life, there are things that happen that might mean, for example, that we may not be able to drive at some point in time, and in which case we will be stuck four kilometres from the local village with no way of walking there. What do you do? So the concept of having a more intentional residential community where we exchange accommodation for labour in an atmosphere of um, regenerating together and being part of this place is what is that our next big adventure. And it's a huge adventure. Um, it's quite different to anything we've really done before. It 
it's got some absolutely wonderful possibilities. The everyday nitty gritty of we've got the young couple actually living in our house at the moment with us because the cottage was supposed to be finished a long time ago and building and blah, blah, you know, the way things go in life. Um, and so it's actually a wonderful experience because I realise that what often happens, and particularly when you get to the stage in the cycle of life where where you need um, a lot more help that you can get to even stay in your own home and you end up in an institution is you end up surrounded by what is the equivalent of a monoculture. Now, we know that diversity doesn't flourish in a monoculture. We need diversity for the health of the, health of the planet, and that's the same in our relationships. So having these intergener intergenerational relationships um, it's good in a way because I find it's sort of smoothing some of my rough edges. Um, uh, I'm having to find my voice and um, put boundaries in that I found difficult to do before, but I'm learning to do that. So I'm learning all sorts. And that's part of my spiritual journey too, all sorts of things on a daily basis um, and receiving the absolute joy of watching a young couple delight in this beautiful little cottage that um, they are able to have some input into how it's going to look, how it's going to feel, and we're talking to them about that. And we went to choose tiles today and we came back and they were really excited about what, what was going to happen and they're thinking about how their things are going to look in there. So really giving giving life and an opportunity for somebody else to, particularly in this day, uh, day and age, in so many places in the world, there's a major accommodation crisis. People can't afford accommodation, let alone beautiful accommodation, let alone beautiful accommodation in a mature garden with the any amount of organic food at your disposal. disposal. And we specifically um, have built the cottage to be uh, eco-friendly. So it's got um, solar, um, it's got solar panels on it on the roof. It's got the solid the the mass so that it's touching the earth on the on a concrete block so you walk in even though it's not yet occupied you walk in a hot day and it's about 10 or 15 degrees cooler than outside and similar in the middle of winter you walk in and, and it's like wow you know where's the heater so it's going to be a really comfortable place and I guess that is a little example of the what everything that we do here we are doing mindfully to be in alignment with our values to be in alignment with our ethics, which is all about the 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 interdependence and interconnectedness within ourselves of our body, soul, and spirit, within soil, soul, and society, and within within the planet. So there, it's it's a really simple concept, but with with really complex interworkings. And as with anything, it, sometimes it gets a bit out of balance, and that's when we have what we call health expressions or crises or whatever or feel stress and that's when we have to stop and think, okay, so what is it now that needs to be? What what am I hanging on to? What belief is pushing my buttons now and making me respond in a way that's unhealthy or unhelpful to everybody else or to myself? So that is the next journey that we're embarking on, which is going to be quite huge and I've got no idea where it's going to lead, but it's, it's, it's a, a wonderful thing ahead of us for 2024. I could listen to you and talk to you for hours. Like so many of the things that you mentioned really resonate with me is the connection to nature. I grew up on a farm and I'm now more and more grateful and appreciative of the environment I grew up with. It was an interesting to now reflect on what was it that really allowed me to connect with nature as a kid. 
growing up on a farm in Czech Republic, it's an interesting country in a perspective that we still had when I was a child in these rural villages. They were very agricultural villages. We did have a lot of paganism in there. We're a weird country in terms of we're probably the most atheist country in the world, yet we have lots of churches. But yet there is this depth of connection to nature. And I remember as a kid, we always looked out to nature and my grandma and even my aunties and my dad they always knew and understood the clouds the wind uh, the herbs what to pick what to forage um, we worked with the land we lived more in in a cyclical life where in the summer there's lots of work in a garden in the autumn there's lots of harvesting in the winter you preserved you preserved everything you're using that and you're slowing down and it's just so interesting to kind of have discussions about these kind of things that are now becoming a lot more talked about and a lot more people are either discovering them who never had the chance to be connected or for someone like myself to be reconnecting with that after, you know, university and living in big cities and traveling, just being back, being in the farm, just reconnecting and realizing some of the things that really matter and it really just make so much difference in life it is just even the communal thing as you say with the exchange we do it on a very minimal level but still with neighbors you will go and you will barter i have too many tomatoes you have too many peppers you know you growing lettuce i'm growing this you have chicken i have eggs and it's just it's beautiful when you think to really live in this way so listening about your story of what you create there creating opportunities for younger generation to explore that, to learn about that is something that really is touching my heart. As I said, we could talk for hours, but before we wrap this up, is there anything that you were hoping to share? There was some uh, a nugget or a topic that you were hoping that we're going to get to explore and we haven't asked you about it. Uh, let let us know. We would love to know either if it's a closing remark, if it's a closing nugget, or if there's a topic they're like, you know what, we still have five more minutes. Let's talk about this one thing. I think what I'd just like to finish is saying that my journey is not remarkable in any way. My journey is a journey that anyone can make and that I would encourage all your listeners to think about where they're up to and how they are showing up in the world where they're comfortable in themselves, where they're uncomfortable in themselves and what they could look into that actually might make a difference. Um, I didn't I didn't start out thinking I was going to be changing myself dramatically. I, I, I had no idea that I was going on this quite really remarkable and really incredibly regenerative and transformational journey. One doesn't set out necessarily with that as one's destination, but just taking that first step, the whole idea of the ripple effect, that the butterfly's wings, there's a first step that we can each take. And I think that it's usually the thing that we're drawn to. We're thinking, oh, I'd much rather, I'd really like to explore music or I'd really like to be able to just have a little garden or grow some herbs or what, whatever that little seemingly insignificant step is can just lead to other things. Uh, just quote, quoting Katie Bowman again, she says, if you want to change the world, just start moving. And when I heard that, I thought, 
people. And then I realised for me, one of the things that Katie talks about in her barefoot walking is um, types of shoes you can get that are suitable for that. And one of them is the um, Vibrant Five Finger Shoes. You've probably seen them. They look like frogs, frogs toes on people. And I wanted to get a pair of these and couldn't find any in, in the local little area I lived. And I was down at the local um, markets and... Um, Oh, no, but I hadn't been going to local markets, actually, because we grow all our things. But I was talking to the librarian and said, oh, I'm getting into all these new ideas and I'd, I'd like to connect with people. And she said, do you go to the markets? And I said, well, no, what does she said? You better go because you might find your tribe there. And I'm like, oh, OK, I'll give that a go. So we go down there and the first thing I see is this woman walking in a pair of five-toe shoes. And I, so as I am, I bowl up and say, oh, good morning. I said, I hope you don't mind me asking, but I really love your shoes. Did you get them locally? Well, she did. And we had a conversation and that opened up a friendship, which then actually extended into a couple of years later being part of a support group for a refugee who came to live in our community and all sorts of other ramifications. And I look back and I think, you know, it is true. If you want to charge, change the world, just start moving. Just start moving your body, move where you are, get out of your seat, look at the sunset, Step out your door and you just never know what will open up. So I just want to encourage your listeners to um, hopefully if they've heard anything in my story that inspired them to look look and, and think that can be their story too. What a what a brilliant way to end is if you want to change the world, just get moving. And and I love that because moving it physical, mentally, spiritually, anyway. And and I love that that story that you finished on. And as Lenka said, you know, we can talk for hours and <laughs> but I do appreciate it. it's getting late for you and and we've been here a while. So just to to help our listeners, if they're thinking, you know what, I need to connect with this woman. She she sounds like she's got some advice for me, or I need her help, or I'd love to chat, or I'd love to to visit, or whatever it is. How can they find you? How how can they connect with you? The two best places are via LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, I'm very active there. And also I have a website, which is called the Pomegranate Circle, and you could probably pop that link into the show notes. And I'm, I'm contactable through both of those. I write um, reasonably regularly on the Pomegranate Circle. I write a blog. Um, and in a couple of weeks' time, I'm actually starting my own podcast. So you'll be able to find me there too. But more about that later. Exciting. Oh, and a new podcast. That sounds really yeah. great. And all your links will be in, in the notes so that people can, can access them. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your energy, for, you know, being with us and, and sharing your wisdom, your knowledge and experiences with our listeners. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And And so thank you so much. And for our listeners, is there anything that, that has resonated with you? Are you growing herbs? Are you wanting to reconnect with, with the earth? Or are you looking into permacultures or living on land and finding ways to build communities, to, to doing any of the things we've discussed? We would love to know your stories. And if you're looking and th and thinking, you know, I need a bit more of this in my life, please reach out and let's share or let's find out or if there's any way that we can help you, please do let us know. And until next time and our next conversation, we'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. 
we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.